Hey, everybody, Terry Hansen here. Welcome back to Sales Performance Improvement Radio. Great to be back with you once again after, uh, after a short break. I'm excited to share with you uh, the f- a couple of fast ways that you can use to close three gaps or holes that you might be having in your sales processes right now. So stick with me. For over 15 years, I ran a successful outsourced sales enablement and consulting firm before it was acquired by Rise Holdings in 2020. But while I was able to help hundreds of my own clients improve their sales productivity, marketing effectiveness, and grow their revenue, the sales growth game is always changing. Every year brings new challenges to growing sales as technology, competition, economic conditions, and customer buying behavior change. In these turbulent times, how do you improve sales and marketing and grow revenue when you're new to your leadership position or you don't have the right resources in place or you're just battling dysfunction inside your own company? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. These days, I'm on a new quest to discover what's working in today's dynamic sales and marketing environment and bringing those treasures and insights back to you. My name is Terry Hansen, and this is Sales Performance Improvement Radio. Okay, welcome back. Uh, it's great to be back with you once again. So let me uh, catch you up to speed a little bit. Over the last four weeks, as many of you know, I have landed a new position as the director of sales operations and enablement with a uh, with a large tech company uh, based out of California. It's a wonderful thing. I get to work from home and uh, and enjoy uh, just a little bit. Not, well, a, a nice lifestyle while uh, getting some good quality work done for a fabulous company. And as my head has been soaked in cloud computing and a lot of technical jargon, uh, dealing with uh, networking and cloud storage and all that sort of thing, uh, working with this uh, new company, I'm really enjoying the process and enjoying the experience that I'm having getting up to speed and, and kind of immersing myself in, into their into their world. And as I've um, uh, over the last several weeks, I've taken the opportunity to meet with um, a lot of the sales reps and a lot of the account executives uh, and sales managers for four different teams inside of our company. And as I've done so, I've I've gone in with kind of a, an open mind, looking to uh, kind of feeling like an interviewer, kind of like it's an interview. And I've asked a, just a bazillion questions, working hard to try to document the sales processes of each of the four sales teams, uh, each one kind of representing a different product line uh, that we sell. And as I've gone through and, and asked questions about what they do and when they do it and how they do it and, and, and what happens when this happens and, and just kind of understanding the process that they've gone through, I've, uh, I've noticed some pretty important gaps and holes that, uh, that I wanted to share with you. So one of the first teams that I started working with and, and just interviewing and getting close to was the sales development reps, the SDRs. Now, as you guys know, SDRs are on the front end of the sales process. They are the cold callers, the cold emails, the lead nurturers. They're working really hard to uh, to get in touch with leads, to schedule schedule the, the very first kind of big meeting or big conversation with with brand new potential customers. And so in our world, once they schedule, once they get in touch with a lead and they and they schedule a first, you know, kind of discovery conversation, they will typically reach out to an account executive and have them join as well. So typically there'll be the SDR, the account executive and the potential customer on on the call. And sometimes they do a demo and but most of the time it's a 
um, you know, most of the time, it's just a, a good, good old fashioned discovery qualification conversation. Um, but one of the gaps that I noticed with them, uh, with, with this particular team is as the SDR team is working hard to, uh, again, uh, call and leave messages and, and send emails and try to get in touch with these leads, uh, they really didn't have much of a, of a sales cadence, a sales cadence process. Now, what is a sales cadence? A sales cadence is uh, typically a process that uh, um, that that a that a that a uh, uh, an SDR will follow over the course of a uh, usually a two week period of time to try to get in touch with the lead. Um, the temptation or the risk is sometimes an SDR will will make a phone call to the lead. They'll they'll leave a voicemail and then maybe a day or two or three later they'll send an email or vice versa in, in whatever order. And then maybe the after a couple of days they might try again. Uh, but after that it starts getting pretty sparse and they might end up giving up. Not maybe intentionally or maybe intentionally. But what what happens when an SDR fails to consistently, frequently, and continuously follow up with a brand new lead is the number of quality leads starts decreasing. And uh, and what ends up happening is obviously marketing spends a gob of money trying to generate these good quality leads, feeding them over to an SDR to nurture and work and, and schedule meetings. But if the SDR fails to effectively uh, go through all the steps to follow up with them, then then uh, then marketing ends up losing a lot of money. And so we don't want uh, in sales operations and in sales enablement, we don't want to let uh, good hardworking SDRs waste marketing's money. So that's why some really smart person years ago uh, invented a sales cadence. And as we talked about, a sales cadence really will map out four communication channels. Uh, the first is the telephone. The second is email. Third is social media. Fourth is sometimes text, or it also could be um, direct mail, or it could be some other fax machine. It could be some other other communication channel. But typically, phone, and uh, in, in by extension, leaving voicemails, right? Making a phone call, sending an email, messaging people over over Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or some social media channel, and also text message. So those are typically the four communication channels that uh, that there's going to be a cadence around. So day one, uh, the SDR might send an email and make a phone call. Day number two, <clears throat> excuse me, the SDR might uh, message them on social media as well as try to send a text message. Day number three, um, you know, they might send a follow-up email as well as check them again on social media. So what you can you can Google sales cadence and you'll probably find a whole bunch of PDF documents or or JPEG images or meme not memes but uh, just infographics illustrating a two-week sales cadence. And it's really important that. Um, that SDR teams have a sales cadence like this, but more importantly, that it's incorporated into your CRM. See, uh, your your software like HubSpot or Salesforce or whatever CRM you're using, that's where the SDR is going to track their sales activity. How many phone calls, how many emails, how many text messages, how many social media messages over a period of time. And, and that becomes reportable. So when they track and document those sales activities inside the CRM, then you've got some good data and you can, you can pull activity reports 
to determine how effectively an SDR is doing at reaching your leads. So uh, tip number one or sales gap number one that I want to recommend to you is early in the process at the SDR level, the lead generation level. Make sure your SDRs have just a simple sales cadence that's defined and specific and, and goes at least two weeks and that that's incorporated into your CRM and that you're regularly pulling acti sales activity reports to see how well they're doing. And if additional training or support needs to be done there, then then by all means. Okay, so that's number one. I got two more to go. Uh, uh, so as I uh, worked with uh, two other sales teams inside of our company, um, interviewing them again about and kind of documenting the steps in their sales process, there was a, a second kind of gap in the sales process that I noticed. Um, and when I specifically asked about it, I would get differing answers and kind of conflicting information. Uh, but what's interesting is, is, is uh, usually in that first conversation, that first discovery conversation where the AE is, is uh, the account executive is asking a whole lot of questions of the potential customer and the potential customers answering a lot of questions. And they're in both parties are really trying to figure out, is this a good fit? Does it make sense to kind of go to the next step? Um, you, you know, there's typically a list of qualification questions that a sales rep or an account executive is going to ask. And if you ask any sales rep, you know, give me, give me 15 questions that you typically ask a brand new potential customer to determine if they're a good fit. You're about 80% of those questions that you're going to get typically relate to the type of product or the type of service that the potential customer wants and how that product or service needs to be tailored and customized. So again, 80% of the qualification questions are going to be around how to customize the product and service to fit the needs of the customer. And that's great. That's appropriate. However, there's a couple of ginormous gaps that are missing there. 20% uh, of the qualification questions will deal with other aspects of qualification and, and it becomes a little lop lopsided, unbalanced. It should be better blended. And I'll give you an example. Um, so years ago, there was an acronym developed, a, a qualification matrix or a framework called BANT. And I'm sure you've heard of it, B-A-N-T. It stands for budget, authority, need, and timing. Budget meaning how much is the potential customer willing to invest or spend on your product or service. A for authority means who are the who's in authority, who's the, who are the decision makers and stakeholders that can authorize the expenditure of that budget to purchase the product or service. Uh, N referencing need, uh, that means what's the problem, what's the issue, what's the challenge that's driving the need to purchase the product or service. T for timing is obviously what's what is the uh, when are the stakeholders wanting to make a decision and that sort of thing. And and BANT is a very simple old school acronym that's been used for a long time to kind of start flushing out a little bit of this other criteria. Um, uh, CHAMP is another acronym, C-H-A-M-P, stands for challenge, challenge, C-H, uh, what's the challenge issue problem uh, that's being, uh, that's, that's happening in order for, to drive the need to purchase a product or service. A stands for authority, we've covered that. M stands for money, kind of same concept as budget. P, uh, there's actually three P's, stands for process, what is the decision making uh, the buying and decision-making process needed to to go through what is the um 
what's the priority level? What's the level of urgency around this? Is that a this month thing, a next quarter thing, a next year thing? What is the, what's the priority level and timing associated with, but also what's the plan moving forward? What steps do they need to follow in order to get to the end of the road? So uh, CHAMP and BANT, for example, are very simple acronyms that are as old as the hills and have been used for a long time. But it's interesting, a lot of the AEs in our company are aware of those, but don't actually use them. They don't, don't follow those recipes, those frameworks. And as a result, the qualification, the discovery process gets a little watered down. The conversation is lopsided. 80% of the conversation revolves around how the product or service needs to be tailored and customized, but it's light and pretty weak on, do they have money? Who are the stakeholders? Um, what's driving the need in the first place? Is it urgent? Is it intense? And how's it gonna? What what benefit is it gonna get them? And and that sort of thing. So the 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 qualification conversation again ends up being a little lopsided. So um, I, I highly suggest if you want more information about using a sales qualification matrix or methodology, if you will, just Google it. Uh, I think uh, uh, HubSpot has done a good job at, at, at documenting probably about six or seven or eight different kinds of sales qualification matrices uh, like BANT or CHAMP. There's a bunch of them out there. I've even over the years developed my, my own uh, called PIMAT, P-I-M-A-T, stands for what's the problem, what's the negative impact that the problem is causing, um, uh, how much money do they have to solve it, uh, who's in authority to make decisions and what are the technical details of how to customize the product or service that they need. So if you're using PyMat or any others, just make sure your, your AEs and your sales reps are using some sort of qualification framework as part of their initial discovery call. Don't let that slip and slide. So, in, uh, so make sure you've got a list of good questions for them to ask, provide them with a document, but also put those in order. Make sure that the questions are organized in the right order. Don't start talking about how to customize the product and service at the beginning of the qualification conversation. Have that be at the end. Talk about the problems and issues and challenges first. Talk about the money and how much money they're willing to invest to solve those problems second. Talk about who the stakeholders are and who 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 needs to be part of the decision-making process third. And then and then fourth and final, then get to how the product and service need to be tailored and customized. So the order is actually very, very important. There's a science there and it plays on a lot of psychology. Um, so make sure you've documented a list of the qualification questions in the right kinds of order uh, so that your AEs and sales reps can follow the right questions in the right order and have a more effective qualification process. And now the data and the reports that you're going to pull to determine if your AEs are actually doing a good job with this is, is actually in the lead conversion process. Uh, typically, there's somebody in the company that's in charge of once, once a lead has progressed to the point where it's now ready to turn into an opportunity where a sales quote and a proposal is put together, somebody's got to evaluate uh, has has this lead been well qualified? Do we have enough BANT information, enough CHAMP information, enough PIMAT information in there to give thumbs up and say, this is a highly qualified op opportunity or it's kind of medium or kind of low. Somebody's got to evaluate that. So have, have a quality control person in sales operations or enablement be in charge of kind of determining thumbs up or thumbs down. Is this well qualified or not? 
Okay, so that's gap number two. Gap number three, uh, we'll go over this really quickly so we don't uh, take too long today. But on, so we, so uh, we've already talked about the SDR, sales cadence at the beginning of the sales process. We've also talked about a sales qualification matrix right in the center of the sales process. But let's fast forward to the very end. Uh, the sale's been closed. You've got a brand new customer. So let's fast forward into actually the account management stage. Now your account managers, they should be following a very specific framework uh, when, in, when it comes to uh, doing their quarterly business reviews. The acronym is QBRs, quarterly business reviews. Now it's an old school, very tried and true methodology. Account managers are in charge of not only retaining existing customers, of course, but they're also in charge of, of upselling and cross-selling new and additional products and services to those existing customers in order to grow the lifetime value, right? Well, one of the primary mechanisms to do that is through quarterly business reviews. These are formal meetings that you have with your customer where you go over very specific agenda items. You talk about things. Um, so let, let me back up. So as I as I, uh, as I interviewed a lot of the account managers, I noticed that there was a lack of consistency in what those quarterly business reviews actually looked like. It was, it was, there was just some inconsistency there. And so sometimes uh, that, you, you know, they, they missed, they were, they're missing opportunities to upsell and cross sell and those kinds of things. So again, a simple way to shore that up is before the account manager schedules the the QBR, the quarterly business review, they meet with a strategy team. Maybe it's the account manager. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a sales manager. Maybe it's a, a sales engineer. Maybe it's a, a product manager. It doesn't, you know, whoever might make sense in your company, but they look at, at that, that, that company and they look at what are the additional products and services that we have available in our company that we should and could be selling to them. How can we position these in the best light? What do we need to understand from them in order to do a good job at selling? So all of that kind of strategy happens before the quarterly business review. Then the QBR is scheduled and then you follow a very specific agenda. Uh, and one of the agenda items is, is again, kind of going right back through the sales process and understanding what's working and what's not working, what the problems and issues and challenges are, and understanding how, um, in a making, a, making a formal presentation of these additional products and services and how those can help solve those problems and meet those needs, et cetera. So having a clear and specific agenda for your QBRs is a is a third and final sales gap that is is easy to close, but it just requires preparing for it ahead of time, mapping out a specific agenda with uh, you know three or four or five different things that you want to focus on and cover, sending that to the the existing client ahead of time so they can review, and then um, and then doing that. Now the data and the reports that you're going to be looking at is obviously your uh, your renewal reports. If you're on, in a kind of business where it has a, a monthly subscription or an annual subscription, then you're looking at renewal reports. How many of our clients are renewing? How many are not? Uh, but you can also pull reports that show um, you know, the revenue growth for specific accounts. So if revenue growth is good with existing accounts, then the QBRs are probably effective. If revenue growth per account is, is not really growing at all, then it's a clear indication that QBRs need to become a, a bigger priority, right? So anyway, these are, as I've kind of, over the last four weeks, as I've gotten more acquainted with my new company, these are some of the things that I've I've noticed. 
and working hard to plug and, and uh, holes to plug and, and, and uh, gaps to fill and that sort of thing. But I share these with you as uh, hoping that, that if you're also experiencing some of these same kind of issues, then these are quick, quick ways to, uh, to address those, those gaps in the sales process. So it's great to be with you. If you liked this uh, conversation, then please like it share it with somebody else, click the subscribe button. And, uh, and so you can get notified of, of future episodes as well, but do me a favor and post your comments down below and let me know what additional questions you have related to sales cadences, do, uh, um, qualification matrix and, uh, and even quarterly business reviews, what intrigues you? What do you want to know more of? And your feedback also certainly helps me understand uh, what, what additional content to produce in the future. So Anyway, great being with you. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to see you next time. And on the next episode of Sales Performance Improvement Radio. Take good care. We'll see you. Hey, it's Terry again. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. I wanted to extend a special invitation for you that I really think might make a difference for you and your organization. You know, growing sales in any organization is tough, primarily because while you and I really are trying hard and, and doing our very best, we're still humans <laughs> and we're, we're, we're constantly battling dysfunction and problems internally with our, our sales playbooks and content and CRMs and sales training and all the data and analytics, our sales processes, the onboarding and compensation plans, all of those things play a role in, in growing and scaling revenue. So how do we get to the point where we can really grow sales when we're battling so much dysfunction internally in a variety of different areas? Well, the answer is we ultimately just need a really good toolbox. Uh, sales enablement tools designed specifically for your and my trade. I'd like to introduce to you the weekly sales enablement toolbox newsletter. It's a customized newsletter specifically for your business. And the best part is it delivers the right tools to solve the right problems when you need them. All you do is select the topics that you want the newsletter to focus on each week. And uh, it's delivered right to your inbox via email each week. And the best part is, of course, it's free. So click the link in the description uh, to this particular show or episode to sign up for the uh, Sales Enablement Toolbox newsletter and select the topics that you'd like to focus on. I can't wait for you to start receiving it and really get your hands on the tools for the trade that you need to continue to grow sales inside your organization. So thanks again and can't wait to see you soon.